Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, commercial commercial appeal sports columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. We are recording this exactly three weeks uh, to the day from when Memphis is scheduled to begin its 2020-2021 season uh, against Ohio State at the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, Still don't know exactly what the schedule looks like beyond those initial three games in South Dakota. Um, We'll talk about that in this episode. We've also uh, got some... uh, some thoughts on on how this season, how the at least the lineup and and the the what this team could be capable capable of could swing based on whether DeAndre Williams is eligible or not. Uh, maybe we'll get into Jason's thoughts on who could surprise uh, fans this year by contributing more than maybe you know, some of us initially think. Um, but first, let's let's talk about this. The news yesterday, uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, November 4th. The news yesterday, l- last night, in the midst of uh, a historic election, yeah. uh, Ken Palm dropped his first rankings of the year, Jason. Um, sure. talk, about a, talk about a news dump right there. Uh, what's he trying to hide? Because everyone was focused on the election. Then Ken Palm just comes out with his preseason rankings. Yeah, I know. I mean, like if he was looking for fanfare, that was not the best time uh, for him to to do something like that. But I mean, I don't, who knows how it turned out uh, from that standpoint? But yeah, it was it was quite a it was unexpected to uh, timing wise uh, to get that news. But um, I think it was relatively welcome news, though, for Memphis Tiger fans. They they uh, I'm sure they weren't displeased with um, with with his with with you know his release yeah so if you're wondering memphis comes in at number 39 uh in ken palm houston is the only aac team ahead of them there houston is at number 22 uh number one in case you were curious baylor number two gonzaga number three duke number four villanova number five kansas uh and rounding out the top 10 just to highlight um the the test Memphis has to start the year. Ohio State is number ten in Ken Palm's preseason rankings. Uh, if we're going on to West Virginia, West Virginia, by the way, number eight in the preseason Ken Palm rankings, and uh, <clears throat> that could be a potential team Memphis faces in its uh, second game in South Dakota in a few weeks. So um, that, that it, it just highlights kind of what the how tough this fe- this field could potentially be for Memphis. Also, how much of a boon it could be to Memphis's strength of schedule as well. 
Yeah, um, very much so. And I know you and I were talking about it before we hopped on here, uh, but uh, about where where Memphis was start last season in the Ken Palm rankings. Um, the end uh, of the I'm year, trying. like 59, something like that, I want to say. That is correct. And mm-hmm. and if what I have found is also correct, uh, I'm not sure if it is, but but maybe it is. Memphis was ranked 50th to start last season. Yeah, no, I remember that being a bit controversial, but Ken Palm is heavily weighted on uh, on returning. You know, it, it favors teams that bring back veterans. And so obviously last year's Memphis team did not do that. You know, it was it was full of freshmen um, because this is an algorithm uh, based on stats and it's hard to, you know, it's just like it's hard to figure out which freshmen are going to be good right away just in general it's hard for an algorithm to take what a guy's stats were in high school and transfer them over to the college level. Um, some guys adapt quickly. Some guys take a longer time. Uh, so it, it's interesting. They're higher this year, obviously, because they return more experience. Um, and they, and, you know, you add Landers Nolly, though he's a newcomer, he's a guy who has established statistics and established reputation uh, after being such a good player for Virginia Tech last year in the ACC, so um, it's it, it's it's interesting. It's probably a little lower than some Memphis fans think, but you know Ken Palm is based on results. It's pretty easy to move. You know, if you win, if you just like I've been saying all along, like I, you know Memphis probably won't be ranked in the preseason polls, the top twenty-five. But if you beat Ohio State, you beat West Virginia. You know that 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 bad boys bad boy mowers crossover classic is going to Memphis will be able to elevate itself really quickly in whatever poll you're talking about, whether it's the AP or AP poll or it's uh, or it's the Ken Palm ratings. Did you talk about um, where uh, Memphis's opponents, uh, where some of their potential opponents in that bad boy mowers crossover classic tournament are to start the season in Ken Palm? Um, Ohio state is eight. Yeah, I just said that, Jason. You weren't my, listening my to me. I, yeah. I, uh, going West on? Virginia's eight. Ohio State is ten. Uh, Texas A&M is sixty-eight. Um, Creighton is um, twelve. Thirteen. Um, and then if you look at the American, um, so I, Houston is number twenty-two. Memphis is thirty-nine. SMU is 57, Cincinnati 59, Wichita State 74, South Florida 88, Tulsa 91, UCF 114, ECU 124, Temple 154, and Tulane is uh, 202. So um, that is where the the AAC slides in uh, in these Ken Palm ratings. Um, I, I do think... Um, what's interesting to transition to another topic here, I I think if I think this is working under the assumption, I would assume that DeAndre Williams is not going to be available for Memphis because his waiver has not been approved yet, uh, to, for his transfer from Evansville to be eligible right away. My guess is they move up a bit if he becomes eligible, not just because Ken Palm's been hearing, 
hearing the good things Jason's been hearing about DeAndre Williams uh, behind the scenes in these preseason practices. But because, again, once again, this is an algorithm based on statistics. Um, and, and that's a guy who put up numbers at Evansville last year. Obviously, the Horizon League is not the AAC, but um, it, it's it's – it's an, it's an established league. And, and Deandre Williams was a very good player in that league when he, you know, when he was healthy last year. Um, so I, I'm curious, Jason. So we don't know yet as again, as of November 4th, whether Memphis will have Deandre Williams available to it this season, but you've heard, I've heard he's been along with Landers, Nolly and DJ Jeffries, one of the most Im- Im- impressive players in these preseason practices for Memphis um, to the point that like, he's been better than it sounds like Memphis coaches, Memphis coaches were high on him and it sounds like he's looked better than they expected even in these practices. Um, so I wonder your opinion on, on how his eligibility could, you know, what, what do you think that does for this team? Like what's the difference between having him eligible and having him not eligible? I spoke to someone recently um, who's been at the practices, who's been around the team, um, who who said that it's not a stretch to think that DeAndre Williams's presence on the floor and or not could mean the difference of two to three wins that he's he's that good he gives the team um that much more flexibility uh to you know obviously that much more depth um that that he brings and i've said it before on here he brings an x factor uh that that you just can't necessarily measure in in traditional stats that he makes people around him better he um, elevates, uh, you know, even just even just elevating the mood of the team, the, the um, demeanor of the team. You know, having somebody like him uh, can can do so many different things, and and not only from a from a production standpoint and a morale, uh, but but also from from. Like a like like I said, a demeanor standpoint. This guy, this is a guy who is a he may have only 18 games of division one experience under his belt, but he is a veteran. He is a he is an 23 years old. I mean, he's you know, he's older than John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Exactly. And (laughs) uh and and there's something to be said for that. I mean, that that's you know, to have a guy who who might who's a little bit longer in the tooth who, who can bring some maturity uh, to certain situations. Um, You know, again, that, that, that's something else that could help uh, this team as it goes through the season. Um, But, you know, all that, all that aside, he has been very, very impressive based on what I've, based on what I've been told from people who have seen him in practice, he's been very impressive uh, not only, you know, and this may be the surprising part, you know, I think a lot of people assumed that he would bring, uh, that he would, he would be more of a kind of a, a majority interior presence. And he will, mm-hmm. he does bring that, you know, he's a big guy. He's like six, eight, six, nine. 
Um, he's thick. He's, he's, he's got some length uh, to him. And so, yeah, he's going to factor into the rebounding battle, but he, he, he's, he has surprised some people um, based on, on what he's done kind of mid range and, and out like mid range, mid and deep range uh, the work that he's been doing. I mean, it sounds like he's going to actually contribute uh, more than what some people thought he would uh, to the, you know, from the three point line. And, and, and that's been a little bit surprising. Well, I've always, he's always been from what I've been told, I, you know, I haven't watched him play much, but the people who know him best always say he's a great passer. Um, a guy who has vision, a guy who can handle the ball a little bit. Um, he's not your tradition. Like, I don't know if he's the type of guy who you could, he's versed. Like, I don't know if you're, he's the type of guy you're going to play at the five very much. Like and go really small and play him at the five. Cause I don't think he's that type of interior presence. He's more like you could go really big with him at the three or him at the four, you know, like have, like I envision, you know, it seems like the lineup that you envision is, you know, is Moose at the five, DeAndre at the four, DJ at the three, Landers at the two, and then Boogie or Alo or Damian Ball. And if it's Boogie or Damian Ball, that is just a huge lineup. Like that, that not a lot of college teams will be able to match up with well because you'll yeah. have – Six, like let's say it's let's say it's Boogie or Damian Ball. You'll have six foot three or six foot two Damian Ball or Boogie Ellis. You'll have six foot seven Landers Nolly. You'll have six foot eight uh, DJ Jeffries. Six foot nine uh, DeAndre Williams, and then six eleven seven foot Musa Cisse. Like yeah. that is a that is a that is a lineup full of length, full of guys who can switch on defense to a lot of different, like that is just an, inti- that that's an intimidating lineup. I, I would say, especially in the American uh, and it makes you salivate. So we'll see. My, my hope is because frankly, when you look at, when you, when you read about Deandre Williams story, the fact that last year, Walter McCarty was fired for a sex scandal involving a student at Evansville. And he's since been charged with a criminal crime. Like he's been charged with a crime. Uh, Walter McCarty has and then you add in the fact that um, they went through an interim coach and then Todd Licklider got hired Um, so you go through three different coaches like to me that feels like like when I remember when he first transferred I always felt he had the much better case to get a waiver than Landers Nolly and so I will be disappointed if he does not get that waiver. It, feel, it feels it would feel unfair for him not to get the waiver. Um, and certainly, um, certainly, he's got like he, they need to make a decision before the season. This like uh, like hopefully the NCAA is not going to let this drag out. Well, yeah, especially. I mean, you know, you, you talk about being disappointed if he doesn't get a waiver, especially. I would think that would be especially the case considering um, the the way they're approving waivers uh, for for people you you would think for players you would think that have very uh, that have less compelling cases um, than DeAndre Williams. I mean that's a lot for for any player to digest. And I know that mental health is is kind of one of those things, one of those um, you know uh, buzz. Uh, buzz factors 
and that, that usually um, is, is, you know, a slam dunk, uh, so to speak, for, for players to get, to get approved for an immediate eligibility. I, would, I do want to say real quick before we move on um, that, you know, just run through some of the numbers he put up at Evansville. Um, you know, he, he, he scored 15.2 points per game. That gets a lot of attention. Um, 6.9 rebounds a game. That gets a lot of attention. But he had 2.7 assists per game, shot 45% from three and 80% from the free throw line, which is pretty good. I mean, he only had 65 attempts, but he made 52 of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, given Memphis's free throw shooting struggles from a year ago, uh, I think they'll take an 80% shooter um, no matter how small the sample size is. So, and then the other thing is those were his first 18 games of division one uh, basketball. Those were the first 18 games he ever played. The only 18 games he's ever played. And then yeah. he got to sit, he got hurt. He got to sit for a little while and watch and learn and, and grow um, mentally and, and, and all that sort of thing. So if he's better than what he did, what he was able to do last year um, at Evansville, uh, even, even if only every second or third game, I think uh, Memphis is going to be in a pretty look, good spot. Look, the way it was phrased to me was the team Memphis has right now without DeAndre Williams is capable of winning the AAC. Yeah. If they get DeAndre Williams eligible, this is a team that could go on a serious run in the NCAA tournament. That's how it was phrased yeah. to me. And yeah. they still might be able to even without him, but like with him, they will have an overwhelming amount of talent um, and it'll be more, they're older that, you know, we had Mike Miller made his one, uh, uh, one of his first public uh, radio appearances this week. And that was something he emphasized on the radio. Um, Penny got this team older, you know, this is an older team than last year. And that's really going to benefit them um, moving forward. Um, And so It'll, it, it's it's going to be it, – it, it feels like he is uh, – like I said, it, it feels like he's got a good case to, to, to get a waiver, and it feels like he's made a good case to be one of the leaders of this team on the court. Well, and, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but we, we are spending a lot of time talking about DeAndre Williams, and I think that's mostly because he's been impressive in practice and, and the suspense is there for whether or not he'll be eligible or not. But – I mean, it sounds. It also sounds like Landers Nolly is going to be yeah. a a very exciting um, player on this team, and they haven't had a score like this since Jeremiah. Like last year, they didn't have a score like this. Like I'm not saying he's Jeremiah Martin, right? But he's closer to Jeremiah Martin than anyone who was on the roster last year. It feels so. Like. You, so you say that, and then I looked at. Um, Matt Norlander is doing his for CBS Sports is doing his like countdown, his ranking of mm-hmm. all the Division One teams, and uh, he he hasn't ranked the top sixty yet. So Memphis, you know, Memphis hasn't been um, revealed what their mm-hmm. spot is going to be. But in his little blurb about East Carolina, I thought it was interesting. He here, here's how he phrased it. He was talking about Jaden Gardner. He said, "If DJ Jeffries isn't the Player of the Year in." the AAC, then it could be Jaden Gardner. So eh, they're not going to win enough games for him to be the player of the year. Like Jaden Gardner is a nice player. He's like, he's like, he strikes me every time I watch him play. Like he's a guy you go, well, he, he, 
he shouldn't be on. He's the one guy when you watch ECU where, where you go, okay, this guy could play for anyone in the league, maybe play for a bigger team in the league. But his number, you know, like you got to win games to win player of the year. And I don't know if this ECU team is going to win enough games for someone like Jaden Gardner to win player of the year. So, yeah, and I agree with all that. But my point is that, and I think his point is that, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about DeAndre Williams. We're talking a lot about Landers Nolly, but in his mind, at least in Matt Norland's mm-hmm. mind, DJ Jeffries is the one with the real shot at being the AAC player of the year. And if that's the case, it's just, it just, it just makes Memphis even, even scarier um, to think about, you know, what this group of players could accomplish together. Well, and I think it's easy to overlook DJ because it's like out of sight, out of mind. We didn't like we didn't we you almost forgot about him because he was hurt for those last, you know, like his last couple games. He didn't play that great. Remember, he was sick. Him and Damian Ball got sick like the he played in the Wichita State game, but he was a non-factor. But yep. then you look if you go back to like the old Miss game, remember that that USF game where he single handedly brought them back with yeah. like his own little 8-0, 10-0 run or whatever it was where he scored every point. Yeah. Um, he shot the ball really well. He could take, he, he, he scored on every level um, last year. Like it was, a, it was about as good. Uh, it, it, I would even argue for me as someone who watched him in high school, he was better the first, whatever it was, 15, 16 games, whatever he ended up playing. He was better than I ever imagined he would be as a freshman. And now he's got this whole off season to build on it. And every time you talk to someone in that program, they're like, DJ, like, I mean, Penny's made it, Penny made it clear months ago. Like this is DJ is the dude. Um, And maybe it's also Landers too, but like DJ, it looks like DJ is ready. He's ready to make the jump from really intriguing freshman to bona fide AAC star this year. Yeah. 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 Like when people ask me uh, and, 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 I turn around and ask the people that I'm talking to, like, who's the most improved um, player on this team? And people say, you know, it's going to sound funny, but it, it's probably DJ Jeffries. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and talking about what he did last year, yeah, there were games where he kind of disappeared, uh, but I don't think he got enough credit for the win at UAB. And That's what it was, UAB. It wasn't USF. It was UAB where he had the – the single-handed 8-0 run to bring it. Remember when they were down early in that yeah. game? That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, and he had a huge three that 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 uh, that was pivotal in that game. And then I don't think he gets enough credit for the tennis, the win at Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, everybody everybody talks about uh, the, the – He set up the game-winning basket. Yeah. Right? He came out and scored the first bucket, I believe, in the second half um, that, that, that really – stem the tide it 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 swung momentum and um and he's that's that's the kind of player he is he can what he can put a team on his back he's so versatile he's like big enough where he can he's big enough where he can play the four like he does need to be become a little bit of a better rebounder but like that's nitpicking um he's big enough to play the four he's He's strong. He's a strong enough ball handler that he can handle the ball if you need him to. He can take people off the dribble. He can hit the mid range. He shot a very good percentage from three point range. Um, he he did. He does so many things well on yeah. the court. Um, and he looked a lot like you know, like he was a guy who, as like a sophomore in high school, freshman sophomore in high school, was considered 
one of the top 10 recruits in the entire country and his, and his recruiting stock dipped a little bit later on in his high school career. But ultimately, just like DeAndre Williams, there's a reason why Kentucky, he was committed to Kentucky. Like <laughs> this is, this is a pro, um, you know, and um, this might be his last year at Memphis. Who knows? Like if he, if he's as good as we think he's going to be, this is probably his last year at Memphis. And so you need to enjoy him while you can, but I, I'm really excited to see what he's capable of this season. Uh, Cause like I said, I think he's going to go. He, I think this is, you know, his number, you know, none of these guys, whether it's Landers, DeAndre, DJ, I don't think any of their numbers are going to be overwhelming. Like no one's going to average 20 some odd points a game like Jeremiah Martin did a couple years ago, just because there there's, are, there's three of them. And then yeah. there's also Lester and Boogie and Damian Ball, you know, and people like that uh, and Alo. Um, but he's going to have games where he does score 25. You sure. know, like there's going to be, you know, just like same with Landers, maybe DeAndre too. And there's also, I forgot Musa. Like it, it's just a really, I mean, you go through it. It's you've got at the point guard position, you've got Alo, Boogie, and Damian as options. At the two, you've got Landers. You could play Boogie at the two if you wanted. You could probably play Ball at the two if you wanted. Um, you could you could probably play DJ at the two if you wanted. Um, yeah. You know, Lester as well at the two. You've also you've got at the three. You can play DJ. You can play Lester. You can play Landers. You could maybe even play DeAndre Williams if you want to go supersized. Yep. Um, then at the four, you've got DeAndre. You've got DJ can play there. Um, Landers played there a little bit at Virginia Tech um, because Rand. of his size. You've got Ahmad Rand. Lance Thomas. Um, what's that? Lance, Lance, Thomas. Thomas. Lance Thomas could play the three or the four. Yep. Um, then at the five, you've got – Musa, you've got Malcolm Dandridge. You could probably play Lance. I mean, Lance Thomas played some five at times last year. Like their eight or nine man rotation, eight, nine, 10 man rotation is just, I mean, when you think about it, when you start laying it out, it is just, you know, it's going to be difficult for Penny and j just in terms of deciding what he wants to do. But gosh, there's no shortage of options for, for how Memphis can match up with teams. I think kind of it, it peaked in my, in my mind uh, as we were discussing this, but I think that one of the keys to this season could be um, that depth at the five, because, you know, it sounds like there's, there's going to be some growing pains with Musa Cisse. Mm -hmm. um, Especially offensively. Yeah. He's not quite there yet offensively necessarily. I mean, he's going to score points and he's going to get, uh, he's going to help. Um, but, and he's going to, he's going to, you know, by all accounts, it sounds like he's going to be really good defensively, but I think, you know, if I'm, if I am a, uh, an opponent, a Memphis opponent, um, I'm going at him as much as I can and try to get him into foul trouble, because it sounds like that that may be one of the things he's been struggling with, uh, since practice started is, mm -hmm is Being sort of disciplined defensively. Yeah. Like he's mm -hmm. kind of got that Jaron Jackson syndrome where, you know, he, he, he doesn't know how to not foul necessarily in, in, in certain situations where you can't, where you don't need to foul. So, um, 
you know, uh, will that improve? Probably, uh, but how much it'll improve, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. So I, but I do think that if that is a, an issue um, that people like Ahmad Rand and uh, Malcolm Dandridge are going to have to, going to have to be ready to step up. Yeah. Uh, and th- I guess we'll wrap up with this. Um, so we mentioned the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic, Memphis versus Ohio State, November 25th in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Since we last did the podcast, Utah dropped out of the event and cited the fact that South Dakota, uh, their, th- that their COVID-19 transmission rate has kind of exploded here lately. And basically what Utah, the, the reports were that Utah basically was like, it's too close to Pac-12 play. We don't want to risk having an outbreak on our team and having it affect our conference games in the Pac-12. And since then, uh, Utah has been replaced by South Dakota State. Um, now, we'll see, you know, the, like, like to be perfectly frank, the, the looking at the numbers in South Dakota, it is not encouraging from a COVID-19 standpoint. It feels, frankly, I totally understand, like, when they planned all this and when Memphis agreed to go to South Dakota, it didn't look this bad. So, like, you know, you can't necessarily blame them. This is a good field, and you get these games in, you know, for your strength of schedule. But I do wonder if things continue to get bad, will Utah be the only team that pulls out of the event? I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been kind of keeping an eye on South Dakota myself just for personal you know, personal slash. Cause you're supposed to go there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm scheduled as of today to uh, travel up there and cover the tournament, but you know, we'll see how that plays out. Whether, whether I mean, I'm not saying this will happen, but we've seen one team already pull out for COVID reasons. Maybe if, if Memphis decides mm-hmm. to, then that'll change. If not, um, it I may... suspect Memphis is not going to lead the charge on that. Yeah. But I agree. Things fall apart overall with the tournament that, you know, they'll figure something out. Yeah, it would it would be a shame though because it's it's a it's a great field. Yeah, it's a great field for Memphis. Like it's a great opportunity for this team to kind of announce itself. Yeah, well, and you brought up uh, the replacement uh, for Utah, South Dakota State, which doesn't necessarily sound like because Utah is in the Ken Palm. Actually, it's it's an upgrade. Um, really? Yeah. Well, from from Ken Palm, the Ken Palm rankings. Um, if I'm looking at this right, uh, Utah is 114, and South Dakota State. Well, it's not quite an upgrade. Utah, Utah's 114. South Dakota State's 119. Yeah, um, so it's like whatever. It's the same as of right now. Although Utah is just you know it's a better brand. It's a it's a Pac-12 team as opposed to a Summit League team. Even though South Dakota State has a has a really nice program. Yeah, they were 22. Um, they, you know, they came here a couple years ago um, yeah, and played Memphis. And it also ramps up the uh, the intrigue factor if Memphis were to cross paths with South Dakota State. One David Winget. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't. So there's so basically we're gonna have David Winget on South Dakota State. Antoine Jones is on Creighton. You've got uh, Jalen Crutcher, the Memphis native who wanted to come to Memphis um, back back during the Tuppy years. Um, from Ridgeway High School, he's on Dayton. He's the star of Dayton. So a lot of a lot of connections there in the field. Um, we still don't know though. Outside of the field, the, the the this event in South Dakota, still still no schedule out for Memphis, and that's not 
you know, necessarily Memphis's fault. I don't know if anyone in the country has really has been able to release their schedule at this point. Um, and we're literally three weeks away from the season starting, which is yeah. just, I figured we'd have a schedule at this point to be yeah, honest. I did, too. I did too. Some conferences have released like their conference only schedules, but mm-hmm. they're like the smaller conferences. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know that I've seen anybody release their full non-conference schedule yet. And, and maybe Memphis's will crystallize, you know, where it's, again, we're recording this on November 4th, the Wednesday, the NBA is, you know, has a deadline of Friday to kind of figure out when they're going to start their season. And as we know, Memphis, University of Memphis, you know, plays they're, they're second in line for dates at FedEx Forum to the Grizzlies. And so once the Grizzlies schedule becomes more clear, um, or at least when the Grizzlies se- next Grizzlies season would start becomes more clear, maybe then the University of Memphis schedule will crystallize a little bit. But it's uh, – <laughs> It's going to be interesting. It's, it's, it's all just feels like a mad dash. <laughs> like it really does. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it, it, it seems like, you know, everybody seems to think it's, 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 it's chaotic. And do we, uh, do we still buy what Jeff Crane said? Not necessarily that he was lying, but like Jeff Crane said a few weeks ago, two home of the four non-conference games you don't know about. He said two home games, one neutral site game and one road game. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know either. Like, I think I I get the sense this thing changes sometimes by the hour um, because so many teams are, you know, just doing this on the fly by the seat of their pants. Um, And so we'll see. Uh, I I just hope there's a schedule because of some kind. I just hope there's games because I'm really excited to see this Memphis team play basketball this, this winter. You and me both, man. Yeah. All right. Well, we will uh, wrap things up there. We'll we'll be back next week with another edition of the podcast. We'll be one one week closer to the start of the season. Maybe just maybe we'll have a schedule. Um, but regardless, we'll we'll talk about things. Uh, we'll hash. We'll 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 uh, wrap it out, if you will, about Memphis basketball. But till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thanks so much, and enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.